Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the first uh, uh, as of yet untitled podcast between myself Dash Retro and Invictus Knox. How are you doing? You are Dash Retro. I am Invictus Knox. Yes, that was that's the two of us. Um, mm-hmm. And we are here to well, we're here to talk about video games and possibly other things that might come up that are related to it. As a couple of you know thirty year old adult men, there are other things that we are interested that pertain to video games and will naturally tangent into but we'll see how that goes yeah i think uh i think we we can agree on video games uh in each of our respective uh i guess experiences with them and how you are stupid good at like platformers and how i am stupid bad at basically everything (laughs) so i i mean you're you're the fighting game guy right i'm the fighting game guy that uh people know um <laughs> tangentially and i am not good at fighting games at all i'm on kind of on a journey to actually get better at them well for the record as far as platformers and you saying that you're bad at everything i i have it on good authority i heard i heard that you have beaten castlevania 3 that is correct anybody who's beaten castlevania 3 is is probably pretty okay at games <laughs> I was uh, forced to be good at Castlevania 3 because of my big fat mouth saying, I'm going to collect and play every Castlevania and beat every one and not go to the next one until I beat it. And um, I don't know, I, I don't have it in the vicinity, but I have Castlevania 1 on Game Boy and I can't tell you how fucking terrible that game is, not for how difficult it is uh, as a game, but it, for how difficult it is being just shittily programmed. Yeah, alright, so I guess we're hopping right into game number one that we talk about, I guess, is Castlevania The Adventure for, for Game Boy. Um, what? I- <laughs> what a for pile of shit. For the record, for everyone, there is only one person here who's beaten that game, and it's not me. Um, I so the the okay the biggest problem with this game is so it's a Game Boy game, right? And you know when you uh, nowadays when a game doesn't run so well, you drop frames in it, right? Oh, it, it went down to like fifteen frames per second for a second. Um, when old games did that. The whole, the all of the action in the game slows down. The game actually plays in slow motion. So instead of you just missing stuff, it slows down. Right? Uh, Castlevania: The Adventure on Game Boy is in a perpetual state of clo- of slowdown. Like the entire game, as you're playing it, is running <laughs> at half speed it, that it should be. A slideshow is an accurate. Like, it's consistently bad. Like, you have a consistent FPS you target. In, like, cinematic third-person shooters, you'll want 30 frames a second, maybe even 24 for the real cinematic look. Castlevania is an action adventure, so you need more frames, and it's consistently not 60, not 30, just bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and, and the thing is, like, it's, it's on top of a character that already moves pretty slowly, right? It's a Castlevania game, so you move kind of slowly, you, you know, you've got those, uh, those dedicated jump arcs and that kind of stuff that the series is known for, but, right, the fact that on top of that there's this unintentional level of slowdown makes it a, like, a miserable experience, 
But, alright, so technically terrible, right, on a technical level. Um, I, Objectively <laughs> terrible. But it doesn't really get much better when you look at, like, the level design and the enemy design and stuff. Um, Castlevania The Adventure really, really enjoys its, like, pixel-perfect jumps, you know? And that's all they really... That's, like, the one obstacle that they know how to do, and so they just put them one after another in the first level, right? Level number one, they've got these, like, tiny little dots that are just far apart enough where there's, like, a one or two pixel window that you have to jump to make it across, and they just throw fucking ten of them in a row at you, Right, and if you fall, you have to walk. At least you don't die immediately if you fall, but you have to slowly, you know, half intentional speed of the game, walk your ass back to the left to start the section over. <laughs> it is, it is without a doubt, in it, 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 you're introduced to the brutality of it very early because the game's flat out saying if you're not getting past this, you're not beating the game. Um, it has that in multiple situations. And in almost every situation, the game is designed to remove the one thing from you that you actually need to beat the boss at the end of the level, should you even make it there. Now, are you talking about the, the whip upgrades? The fire whip. Yep. Okay, yep. yeah. The flame, the fireball upgrade, like, yeah. Yeah, because another wonderful thing... Um, now, this is a mechanic that could be fine. I'm not saying that this mechanic is automatically bad. It could have been done right, but basically... Uh, unlike other Castlevanias, when you get hit in this one, you instantly, uh, you lose your whip upgrade. There's two levels of whip upgrade, and you go down one every hit. Every hit. Every hit. Every, anytime you would take damage is instant uh, fuck you, and there's no way to get that back in the rest of the... Unless you somehow luck out and get one early on in the level, um but I think that's pretty rare. It, it usually is like RNG on the drop, I believe. I'm kind of talking out my ass there, but I'm just speaking from how I remember it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, like, I don't automatically hate the idea, you know? Like, uh, take Cave Story, for example. There's a game where when you get hit, you lose some of your weapon upgrades, and that game's great, right? It's not automatically bad, but the way that it's implemented here, um, it's uh, it, it, it doesn't feel very good. Uh, I, I, I wish I could like more specifically tell you what the difference is though exactly on why I, why I dislike it. <laughs> difference in, in what? Uh, like, like between this game getting hit downgrades your weapon versus oh. another game like Cave Story where it feels fine, you know? So I haven't, I haven't played Cave Story. I'm actually super out of the loop of pretty much most modern video games, um, that's not to say I'm some huge, fantastic wealth of knowledge on retro games, even though that's what I tend to try and stream. Um, it's just I, I, I'm missing. There, there's so many games I already have in the backlog that I don't pay attention to anything much anymore, except for one game that I think you and I can probably agree on. And uh, I guess are we doing a what have you been playing lately segment? Well, should we? Uh, we ended up talking a bunch about Castlevania right away. Mm -hmm. um, we can I, go back to Castlevania. Real quick, I, I do want to say the soundtrack is okay. For the Game Boy game, the adventure? Specifically, like level three or four or something, one of the levels, the soundtrack is okay. 
I like the soundtrack in every instance. I don't love the soundtrack except for I want to say the second level because that's when you're running away from the explosive eyeballs on the bridge and those the music at that portion and correct me if I'm wrong anyone but I have really shitty memory there is a essentially a remix of the original Castlevania theme like part of its melody um in the opening theme, actually, I want to say, is a remix, and then it goes into a different rhythm section. So you don't get the whole theme, mm-hmm. but when you hear that, that's the one time where I'm holding something in my hand that uh, that makes me go, oh, I did this on a TV once. Yeah, for a moment, it kind of feels like you're playing Castlevania. <laughs> you're not really feeling that at any other time other than the fact that you're controlling a dude with a whip. The The last thing I'll, I'll, I want to say about that game in general is that like to just to like give you a visual idea of how slowly the game generally runs is um when when you play castlevania for nes it feels like your guy moves kind of slowly right if you're used to playing mario or uh you know adventure island and that kind of thing um it feels a little slow but after playing a bunch of the adventure and then throwing it I, I was like so frustrated by the adventure that i was like i'm throwing original castlevania in the nes we're gonna play through it real quick um <laughs> it felt like my dude was fucking flying in that game i know like- <laughs> <laughs> I, okay so there's this guy named popo and duck love the guy he's funny as fuck i watched him stream uh castlevania and it like is I had probably just I might have even just raided him, so I might have just gotten off playing the Game Boy game. And I was like, Cool dude, cool to see you're playing Castlevania. What mod is this? <laughs> and he goes, What are you talking about? He like shows me the NES he's playing on and everything. I was like, what? Yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> you, it looks like you like increased the clock speed or something. I don't right. know. I was just fuck. Is this how it always was? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um and it kind of speaks to like the way that your brain is like trying to cope with it as you're playing it, that it's starting to normalize it. And then when you go back to something else, you know, you're like, oh, shit, you know. It's, it, yeah. It's like getting used to input lag and in, in something. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, after you play a whole bunch of like a 30 FPS game, you know, it starts to not look so bad after a little while. Yeah, agreed. But it all still right. looks like shit, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, th- when you do the opposite, right? When I first load up a game that's 30, I, I want to puke for a second. And, like, it's like you can't see. Like, the, uh, the thing about it is what I've, what I've realized is my actual issue with, with 30 FPS is when, let's say you're playing Bloodborne, right? And you want to, like, rotate the camera 90 degrees to your left. The, the shutter effect the like slideshow effect and how much how many pixels each of those objects that you're passing by jump every frame you know makes it so that i feel like i can't see while the camera is in motion motion sickness kind of essentially you're like why am i seeing such awful trails but at the same time i think for a game like bloodborne which Never played, never played a Souls game or anything. I think for something, for what I'm, from what I've seen of Bloodborne, it's one of those games where that might not be bad for the cinematic effect. Like you may want something to create a general tiny subtle cues in a video game, audio or video, 
uh, they add up after a while. Things like um, maybe your voice starts sounding distorted or higher pitched or lower pitched or you start seeing trails or, I mean, you, even something as low as like the camera lowering down to like give you the motion if you're in first person perspective to show that you're kind of feeling ill or something. Something like that. Is 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 as small as well as much as I brag about like a uh, sixty frame rate or bust you know thirty and twenty four even do have their place. Sure, sure. I uh, I I will concede that that is sometimes perhaps true. I would not agree about Bloodborne though. That game should be sixty totally. I, it it's a fast paced yeah. action game with like you got to read these enemy cues really fast and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like the the specific reason though that it bugs me is like when I'm talking about the idea of the camera movement is that it's like I feel like I might as well have just shut my eyes for the amount of time that I'm moving the camera and then when I stop moving the camera now I can see again and my brain re-registers what I'm looking at you know what I mean so it makes just the idea of just kind of panning the camera around really stressful and like blinding because mm. you know it's 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 just so hard to follow the screen when it's when it it jumps so far every frame um I can yeah. see that being pretty disorienting yeah, so uh, look, I realize that I'm I'm a big baby about it, you know. <laughs> but like, it's just that's how I feel. It's just at first, I'm just like God. It's like again, when I'm moving the camera, might as well just have my eyes shut, you know, because I cannot <laughs> see what's going on until I stop moving. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say it's like uh, I, I, we should just designate this right now, right now, a uh, a first world problems complaining safe space. <laughs> We're gonna talk right. about analog signals and why component sucks compared to RGB and all this. <laughs> See, we, we I think you and I could probably talk uh, quite a bit about even just hardware because you and I both have streamed um, and have gotten actual tech tips from each other in doing so streamed hardware repair uh modification you built your own awesome controller for the nes with a specific functionality in it that i think would be cool if you told people about my you're talking about the nes controller the with the with the arrow keys yeah here i i got it within arm's reach let me grab it yeah so essentially he has this controller which correct me if i'm wrong but you have everything individually micro switched so that you can both on an, on an nes controller you can use both left and right inputs at the same time well that is to be avoided so here's, oh really okay yes so the nes controller has it is essentially eight buttons right if a up down left and right a b start and select it's eight individual digital inputs they are all either on or off uh up down left and right on the controller are they are physically prevented from pushing left and right at the same time because of the way that the d-pad has to tilt right in order to press right the d-pad has to tilt over which prevents left from being pressed like a rocker switch uh yeah so um if you were to remove the d-pad from your from your nes controller or break it or take the faceplate off or whatever you can press left and right at the same time and a lot of games behave not correctly when you do that 
like, for example, in Super Mario Bros., when you're underwater, you can press left and right at the same time, and it, like, it's kind of hard to explain. Half of Mario will be facing right, and half of him will be facing left, and... Or it's something like the right half of him is on the left side, and the left half of him is on the right side. Something really bizarre looking, right? Um, and you can also use it to, like, uh, uh, accelerate faster. I think in Mega Man, you can use left and right at the same time to zip and that kind of thing. But what that means, though, is that it's something that you want to avoid if you're trying to do something like, well, just play the game legitimately. <laughs> or, um, so we're, I was going to say, we're already deep into the to build your own controller to territory. We can probably mention that you're also a speedrunner. Uh, only of Super Mario Bros. Um, okay, well, yeah. But, so I built this, right? So the thing is, I really like playing uh, uh, platformers with a keyboard. Uh, I just really like the ability to very quickly switch between moving left and right, you know? And I just, I, I like having dedicated fingers for different buttons, right? So I built this. This is an NES controller. It's uh, actually, legitimately, on the end of it is just an NES plug, and it plugs into a system. For the audio listeners, imagine a black rectangle with if you look at your arrow keys on your keyboard not your wasd but two sets of those arrow keys left and right and i believe you have half a space bar on the bottom for like your jump input yeah uh those are start and select so okay yeah yeah so basically on the left side you've got a set of arrow keys or wasd on the right side, you've got the same thing, but only two of them are actually wired up to A and B. The other two are just there to feel good. Oh, and okay. then, and then on the bottom, technically, it's 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 uh, the zeros of a uh, number pad, but there's two of them, right? So there's two longer ones, kind of on the bottom, that are your start and select keys. And yeah, it's like a space bar, but two halves of it. Um, so that was the biggest like challenge in designing this thing was getting it so that when you press because now when you have individual keys for left and right and up and down you can very easily press them both at the same time and if you just leave it that way that's no good and it makes games be weird means you couldn't use it for speed running and that kind of thing. So that was a particular design challenge to get around. Uh, it would take, it, it would take me like 10 minutes to explain how we got around it, probably. I think all you need to know is that you can't do well, it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what I was going to say was, uh, that actually makes way more sense of a layout. Because when you described it to me, I had pictured that both sets, left and right, uh, right-hand controls, corresponded to movement. Not A and B and then to you know just feel good keys uh, i was thinking that you were doing some kind of movement in which you used both left and right hands at the same time oh gotcha um yeah i mean you use both hands at the same time but right the left hand is all d-pad <laughs> i was like what the where did this guy get the skills to do that like, <laughs> are you just more comfortable playing pinball than video games like what? yeah oh yeah no nah, the uh big thing okay let me, the actual background is that i've played like two thousand hours of the binding of isaac and so that has, like, drilled deep into my head that Jesus. your left hand moves your character and your right hand performs actions, you know? So WASD yeah. on the left and arrow keys uh, for actions is how you play Isaac. So now I've adopted that for platformers as well, like Wings of V and Hollow Knight and Celeste and stuff like that. When I play those games, I bind it for WASD as character movement and then, like, 
up on the arrow keys is usually jump and left is usually like attack or something you know yeah basically your actions are on the arrow keys on your right hand and so then i just took that concept put it onto a little tiny miniature keyboard and made it an nes controller just more ergonomic yeah mm-hmm. i'm doing that right now on my keyboard and i i, I don't think i could handle that <laughs> you know it took a little bit of getting used to um you know, I I didn't used to do it for platformers, but uh, Wings of V changed me. That game, that game is very difficult. <laughs> and, I hear uh, Wings of V changes everyone for the for the worst oh, yeah. or better. It it has legitimately become my favorite game of all time. Um, it's uh, the first Damn. time I played through it was with a Dual Shock, and it was great. Uh, but then after that, you know, the whole time I was just like, I. I Oh, oh, okay, no, no, no. So the first time I played through it was with DualShock, and there was this one particular segment of the game that I could not do with a D-pad or with the analog stick. Like, it was just too precise. And so for that section, I had to learn the keyboard controls. Luckily, there's no combat on that section. It was just platforming. So I had to learn the keyboard controls, get through that part, and then move on, right? And then so for my second playthrough, I just used a keyboard the whole time. Uh, and it was a little tough to get used to at first, but now it's how I do everything. So you're definitely like the adept, adept uh, platform player among us. What other genres do you actually enjoy other than that? JRPGs, love them. Can see that, yeah. I'm I'm big into JRPGs. Love uh, the whole classic Final Fantasy series. Shin Megami Tensei is one of my favorites. Um, yeah. I'm all I'm all about those. I want to be. I want to be where you are, but I played I well, rather, I streamed uh Final Fantasy V. I beat Final Fantasy V on stream at about I want to say 80 hours. Mhm. That is a long time to stream a game. Yeah. And I said I'm not doing JRPGs anymore. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of the tough thing. So, like, on my stream, I uh, there was a while where I was playing, like, only JRPGs, right? Like, I played through Final Fantasy 1 through 10, all of them, uh, it, over the course of, like, three years, um, you know. But at, at first, though, I was playing a lot of that. And then, like, Persona 5 was in there somewhere, you know. And I got I got complaints a little bit of, like, turn-based games are boring. Um, and so since then I kind of try to have there be, I've got my one turn-based game and I've got my action game, right? I got to have both going at the same time. But, uh, but totally, cause I, I know exactly what you mean though, where like Persona 5 took me like 130 hours or something like that. And the Final Fantasies are, are pretty long as well. What did you think of 5 though? Because I think... It's one of the best ones. I think it is one of the best. Retro is not the right word. Um, Final Fantasy V, I found real appreciation in it for being... Okay, so context. I played it on a PS1 because I I believe this was actually the first time it came to the States um, in yep. English. So and I played Final it Fantasy that Anthology... Way. Yes, with Chrono Trigger as the other pack-in game, which mine unfortunately did not come with. It came with Final Fantasy Tactics, which I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of either, but I do like it. Like, I love... Anyway, I won't go off into Tactics, but, like, as far as 5 goes, 
the class system in that game is the reason to play it. Yeah. The story is not why you play that game. The graphics is not why you play that game. Although for its time, you know, being a super Famicom game, it does actually still look pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, I won't say, you know, it's, it's no Chrono Trigger, let's be honest. But at the same time, I don't think it was... I don't know if those two games were existed at the same time in Japan, like in the same year. I'm pretty sure Chrono Trigger probably came out a little bit later. I yeah, guess. I, I think Chrono Trigger came out m- closer to when Final Fantasy VII came out. Even wow, I mean, oof. I mean that's there's there's no way because that would have been super late in the SNES life uh, life cycle. I think I think it was though, but I'm not. I'm I guess I'm not actually sure. Uh, that actually begs the question: if a game releases real late in its console generation, and I mean, like by the time the next generation is out. Like, say something released on PS4 today uh, and not on PS5, is it, I guess, is it, I mean, would you would you consider it a, uh, a hindrance to its growth? Or, I guess, because it's on a platform like that, it, it's just too big to not be troubled by it. I, I'm not sure I understood your question. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I word saladed because I lost my train of thought halfway through and then I regained it at the end. Basically... Chrono Trigger is fucking huge. Everyone loves that game. Yeah. Um, if it came out late in the SNES cycle, I don't think everyone that knows about it would know about it. But then again, my question was, it's on the Super Nintendo. It's on a system everyone has. That's why I made the PS4 comparison. Um, it's it's on a system that's so big, does it have that problem? Yeah. I, well, right. If you're playing Super Nintendo now, I don't think you care all that much if it came out earlier or later. Oh, no, no, um, I'm talking like if PS1 was new. Well, I'm looking it up, and so Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VI came out in 94, Chrono Trigger okay. 95. Wow. Yeah. That is the year that PS1 came out. So, okay, yeah, late, and it didn't hinder it. It would explain why it's so fucking expensive, though. It's so good, but Chrono Trigger is so fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah, actually, right. So I guess that answers your question, is yeah. yes. Uh, if, right, when when PS1 comes out and then a banger on Super Nintendo comes out, it, yeah, it gets buried a little bit and sells a few less copies because everyone has a PS1 now. Every Honestly, there may be more households in the country right now that have a copy of super mario world that don't own a super nintendo there may be a lot of those houses around i'd be willing to bet because super mario world excellent game didn't didn't wasn't late in the life cycle but you know it's not fucking any more than two or three dollars every time you see it mario you know i don't know i've owned mario world as long as i can remember i i I don't know how much it is nowadays i'm just saying like uh, i so before covid uh i was I, I used to do as much yard selling as i could to find like nice retro games uh on the cheap and i never really found many but the few times i have i don't think there was a single collection that had super nintendo that didn't have super mario world yeah yeah because it i mean maybe it's not the most fair comparison because wasn't world a pack-in game for the SNES at one point uh I wouldn't be surprised but I don't know I'm trying to think of like if you've ever seen it with the not for resale logo you know is usually the the tell for that but I I don't know if I've seen that I I I bet it was it's it's we would make sense 
I don't think I've ever seen a not for resale Super Mario World, but I do bet it was a packing game at some point. Mm. Sega made that way more painfully apparent on like the Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. And then I think uh, a lot of Mario 64 copies have the not for resale thing on them as well. Oh, yeah, you know what? You may be right. I have a copy in the other room, but I don't think mine is one of the not for resales. But I've definitely seen not for resale N sixty four games at the very least. Mm-hmm. Probably like, uh, well, sh- shit. Probably it was, it was probably Pilot Wings sixty four to be honest, because they usually launch their consoles with a Pilot Wings game. At least at that time they did. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure the SNES was a launched with Pilot Wings. You know, I I never played it. Wait, I never have either. It looks fun though. I I wouldn't mind. I actually, it's on it's on Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah, first Pilot Wings, I believe, is Super Nintendo. Was it 3D? No, it was Mode Seven, though. I think, like oh, you know how Mario okay. Kart was. Yeah, gotcha. I was thinking like you know like Star Fox, right? And thinking like Star Fox. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then Pilot Wings sixty four, and then the next one though was for like 3DS or something, right? So the series goes Pilot Wings, Pilot Wings sixty four. Uh, Pilot Wings Resort. Those are the three games. That was for the 3DS, actually. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. I thought I mm-hmm. thought there'd be more. Actually, I thought there. I, th- I could have sworn there'd be a Pilot Wings on the Wii, but I yeah. guess they kind of went all out with Wii Resort. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah, Wii Sports Resort. I think had something similar. It probably had some like wingsuit diving. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, well, hang gliding. I'm pretty sure there was hang gliding in one of them. I know, because like the camera would zoom in underneath the canopy of the hang glider and come into my fucking serial killer looking murderer face of a me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man! If you could, like, my me was just like if you could imagine my face, but just like giving you the thousand yard stare, but also zoomed in, so only you see the tan of my face. <laughs> right. It was just it was it was preposterous, and people people like I think. Two years after I stopped playing a a game or something on their Wii, they like said they started up their Wii and like that was like the first face that just came up right on the fucking screen. The me system genius. Yes, love love everything about the Wii era in general. To be honest, yeah, like when you look at the the Wii, it's um, I feel like it doesn't have the the biggest library of games um oh it but, does <laughs> oh no yeah yeah i don't mean literally i mean oh. like the biggest library of games that you want to own so yes and no uh but go off on what you're what you're thinking i want to see if it's the same thing i've got in my head uh just that like the games that are on it though um it were very excellent as far as like the ones the the ones that you have are real good as in like no more heroes for example is one of my favorite games of all time um but the we like uh generation in general though i have a strong fondness for because it was the first console that i bought on launch day uh, you know, and my friends had it on launch day. And for, like, everybody loves GoldenEye, right? Even though if you play GoldenEye now, it's a shit game. But, like, when Goddess. you have 
<laughs> but when you have four people and it's the new, it's it's new, and you got four people sitting on a couch playing it split screen together, it's the best thing ever, right? So I, I <laughs> had a. I have a story. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm talking about back then, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, Absolutely, yeah. For me, that game was Red Steel for Wii. Oh, that, yeah. That garbage, god-awful, terrible Wii game. But, I mean, the Wii was brand new. My friends got it. I got it. We all got Red Steel, and we played that game split-screen multiplayer, the four of us on a couch, and and it was a great time. Yeah, I I didn't get to play Red Steel, I only heard about it. Okay, so I didn't own a Wii until like late in its lifespan. Um, everyone had one, so they were cheap. It's 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 PS2 syndrome essentially. Like you can find mountains of them for like twenty bucks uh, with the disc drives that don't work, stuff like that. Uh, so I I got a Wii when I saw one on Craigslist for forty bucks. Had like five games with it, the cords, the Wii motes with the motion fit. It was like an insanely good deal. Um, side note, the Wii, uh, is still being used as an emulation machine because they're fantastic at that. But I got the Wii at that point where, you know, you could just buy one used for 40 bucks and, uh, it, and then I sold it for 40 bucks later on. But I, I, I just loved every minute of that generation. Like I found out late that the PS3 and Xbox 360 thing, it wasn't about that at all at that generation. It was really just about the Wii. I wish I had known that early on and gotten one instead of... Uh, well, I was essentially skipping that generation, and then Mortal Kombat 9 came out, and then I bought a PS3. <laughs> you know, I, I had sort of the opposite effect a little bit with that generation. The first system I got for it was an Xbox 360, uh, and it red ringed in like two weeks, and then I didn't really talk. What? No, no, no! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on, I'm totally misremembering. No, no, the first system I got was a Wii. Uh, I, I didn't care at all about the Xbox for a long time, and I got the Wii when that came out. Okay, okay. Then a little bit after that, though, it was like. I was really into Eternal Darkness, right? So then Too Human was coming out, and I was like, oh, man, Too Human. And have you seen this game, Assassin's Creed? This brand new thing no one's ever heard of? Um, so uh, for those reasons, I got an Xbox 360, and then it, it red-ringed immediately. <laughs> uh, and then I ended up getting rid of the Wii and the 360 to get a PS3 around the time Little Big Planet came out. And then Fair. the re and then the rest of the generation for me on that generation was all about PS3. I mean, you had Uncharted, Uncharted 2, uh, you know, Little Big Planet, Metal Gear Solid 4, Infamous, Heavy Rain, God of War 3, like fucking bangers on that system. Now we look back, right? Uncharted isn't so hot anymore, you well, know. Hang on, hang on. Those are fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I fucking love Uncharted. <laughs> heavy Rain isn't so hot anymore. Is uh, Heavy you Rain know. that uh, same uh, same director who did Indigo Prophecy? Yeah, I want to play that because I fucking love Indigo Prophecy. But go ahead, it's it's worth playing. It's worth playing for the same reasons Indigo Prophecy is. You mm. know, <laughs> uh, but so the point is though that at the time though I was all about PlayStation at that point. You know because. Um, because I, I, I went away from the Wii and then into the PS3 and, and really liked it at that point. Um, but, you know, 
I then later I had to go back and and get all the Wii games I got rid of again because it's Nintendo, you know. I wanted to play Mario Galaxy again. I wanted to play Metroid Prime Three again, even though that turned out to not be as good as I remembered. But uh, I'm getting off on tangents here. I didn't even know they made a third. Oh yeah, the, there's the third Prime was all about using the Wii remote to aim, and that part of it was fine. Hmm. Yeah, they yeah. went real. They went real hard in on that. Like we were, we were just talking about Red Steel. I, I missed the boat on that. Uh, is what I was trying to say. As I got in, I got in late. But like you, I ended up at PS3 because Mortal Kombat Nine was a system seller for me. I had been actually protesting the entire generation because I, a generation before, got a GameCube for Christmas, loved it. That Christmas, went over to my cousin's house who got an Xbox, played Halo for like eight hours. Like, I didn't even let him on his own fucking Xbox. Played Halo for like eight hours. I said, Mom, I need an Xbox. <laughs> so I, I, I sold the GameCube, which I actually super regret now because I just had the base purple, but that was my base purple. Like, yeah. I, 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 I hurt for all my consoles that are, that are no longer with me, but, um, I, I sold the GameCube, I traded it in at GameStop, bought an Xbox, bought Halo, and then Xbox like just fucking sucked me into that ecosystem. And then like Halo 2, I remember. Fantastic multiplayer. Single player left a lot to be desired. And uh, essentially the transition at the end of Xbox to the PS3, Xbox 360 generation. Not only was I so like sore about like some of the games that just didn't get what they deserved on Xbox, but like the new Xbox 360 hardware was just it was it was it was catching fire. Power bricks were melting. Red rings instantly in the first week for every early adopter. Basically, uh, it, fucking uh, rechargeable batteries in the in the controllers before they had wireless controllers was just wired. I think. Uh, so the rechargeable batteries you had to buy. The, they took mm. double A's, but you had to spend fifteen bucks or whatever for a play and charge kit. That's uh, right. Yeah, to you, get you just you just had to use like what you probably just got the Rayovax straight from the box. Mm. Um, but yeah, so like I was. This is why it's bizarre to me, because my experience is exactly what I just told you. I I every it seemed to me like the P, the, the Xbox 360 was horrible. And I didn't want a PS3 because I had a PS2 and I, it wasn't a, as big of an improvement as I thought it would be and I didn't care about it. But the 360 was insanely successful financially. And the Xbox, the one that I loved, was actually a loss. I think Microsoft lost money on the Xbox. Maybe because of their budgeting and how they had to choose to, like, you know, it, they were all meeting at E3 that year to compete against each other. I'm sure they spent fucking fuck tons of money in cash on, on just all the kinds of advertising and everything. But who knows? All I know is, like, it just it's bizarre to me. I don't have my eye in the financials of Microsoft or Xbox or Phil Spencer, so. Yeah, so you mentioned the power bricks melting. My initial reaction, the first thing I ever remember, like, really learning about the 360 and noticing about it was that the power brick was fucking massive also it's like, like a wrist <laughs> it was like the size of this water yeah. bottle the 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 power brick for that thing mm -hmm. meanwhile the ps3 while it was a 15 pound behemoth of a system it didn't even have a power brick because it was inside the system 
you know. Um, I also I listen. Uh, I I I named a few PS3 games earlier as being like the reason that I was a PS3 boy after I got one. I just gotta self-flagellate for a second that I did not mention Demon Souls. I'm sorry, but that's like the number one. That's like the number one PS3 game. Anyway, um, so we've been bullshitting for a while, but we got stuff. We got other things to talk about. We should probably feel- talk about like who we are. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see if we could find a find a segue into that. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Let's yeah, let's get into that. You go first. I've been talking a lot. Ah, that's okay. I'm I'm Invictus Knox. Um, I started out in this uh, in this space by being exhausted with my YouTube channel, in which case I was making motorcycle related content uh, for the longest time, and I got to the point where I was actually getting good at it. But right at that point, I was just like bored with everything. So I started uh, started collecting retro games. Because I was like, fuck, I love those games. Why don't I have them anymore? And emulation never really satisfied me. So I started going to like Goodwill and thrift stores and I started collecting all these games. And I was like, holy fuck, every Saturday I would just spend like 40 bucks and get like 80 games. And I couldn't do that on Steam, not even on their sales most of the time. So I was like, fuck, I kind of like actually having the real shit in my hands. So I started building together this collection and I was like... Maybe I maybe I was wrong about this Twitch thing because I started streaming late a little bit later after that, but I was super skeptical about it. Uh, I didn't like the idea of just watching people play video games. And then I met uh, a mutual friend of ours, Camel. I I was like, okay, I like retro. Let's see what people are streaming old school and how are they hooking things up to the stream? How are you getting? How does it look like you're emulating Super Mario World when? you're actually like, you show me your Super Nintendo running it right now. How does it look that good? So I got obsessed with the technology aspect of this and like learning all about analog video, learning about signals uh, that you'd send with different kinds of devices, signals sent to clean up certain things, signals sent to do what the fuck. The analog video is fascinating. So it's tragically complex, I guess, but it's super fascinating to learn how it works uh right down to like a crt monitor display i'm 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 about it all so yeah i th- that's me right now i play retro video games on twitch um still thinking about doing more on my youtube channel but um yeah we uh we we had this uh, fine gentleman dash retro approach me about doing a podcast and uh been wanting to do one for a while now just because i feel like editing was the worst chore <laughs> And uh, this is something I can put very minimal effort into editing and we can actually just have something that is up and something where I can bounce ideas off of because that's kind of just how I've always been personality wise. I I don't thinking through things by myself, uh, not my strongest suit, but if I just have a mannequin there to talk to, I'll probably be all right. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I have you know so some very similar things here. I'll I'll start at the start though. I'm dash dash retro. That is. Uh, so I got into this stuff because. Uh, I, so I've always been playing games all the time, right? Video games have have always been my my number one hobby. 
Um, I've always played music, like guitar uh, and stuff, but uh, but video games have always been my my number one thing, right? And then, and then, around 2013, is it? Uh, I started playing this game called The Binding of Isaac, right? And I got really into it, and I started watching people on YouTube play it, and then I started watching people on Twitch play it after that. Uh, and then at some point I was like, I... I could do this. I want to stream my gameplay of The Binding of Isaac live. So I started a Twitch channel just to play Binding of Isaac. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm super into all kinds of games myself. You know, I would play my own games in my own time. It was just that's what I wanted to stream. And after so much of that time, I was starting to kind of get really back into old games uh, because... I kind of went with the generations, you know, like I was talking about that PS3 generation earlier and how I was so into it at the time, you know, and then let's just say the PS4 generation was a little disappointing to me. Uh, and around that time, I was starting to get way, way more back into playing my old favorite NES games, <laughs> uh, especially Contra. And I was like, I want to stream Contra. So bought a capture card. Uh, you know, I was fine with composite video at the time and, uh, and started, started doing that. So now I stream a lot of retro games on Twitch, but I kind of still do everything. Uh, but yeah, so the thing was though, I saw, like you're saying, I saw other people's streams where, where their games looked really good, even though they were using real hardware and mine looked like shit. And so that kind of put me on that same quest to kind of research how these different analog signals work and how to get proper shielding and component video versus composite and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, but, and, and similar to you as well. Like, so at first, uh, I went to Voltar for, and paid him to mod my systems, right? Nice. I had him, I had him mod my NES and my N64, but I'm an engineer. I'm not, like, perfectly happy with just, do it. You did it cool, right? I got to know how it works, right? So immediately when I got the system back, you know, I took it apart. I'm looking at his work, you know, and I'm looking at all the different things, and I'm researching, like, how I'm going to do it myself, which Especially someone leads... like Voltar. Sorry to cut in, but, like, Voltar. Oh, no, yeah. You know he does beautiful work. I'd, I'd want to open up just to see it in person. Yeah, and he's the type also who he he wants me to have this experience, mm -hmm. right? Where I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it and see how it all works, and and you know learn from him on how to maybe do it myself better and, and all that. Um, so yeah, shortly after I ended up modding my own AV Famicom and uh, and yeah, getting into all that same stuff that you did. <laughs> But there you go. That's, I don't know. I Did I miss something? Oh, right. I was going to kind of talk about some of the same stuff that you talked about as far as like why I wanted to start a podcast, which was that very similar thing. I've always wanted to just like do a, uh, in a perfect world, what I would love is every game that I stream on Twitch, I want to do a review of, mm. uh, you know, have a YouTube video of a game review for this game that I played. Why not? How hard could it be? But it just turns out that video editing is a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and uh, and also, um, I can't really do it by myself without sounding really, really awkward. You know, I've written some reviews. Don't look them up. They're terrible because it's very hard for me to... to 
just sit down and like naturally speak uh, and come out with a review that is coherent. So I would write them all. But when I write them, they sound like I wrote them and they sound terrible. So, yeah, I, I thought, uh, you know, uh, just a much easier thing uh, would be to speak with another human about them so that we can have a natural conversation. And then we end up with something that is a, something of a game review. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'm actually so we're both engineers then um, in my day work. I am a PC repair technician, so I work on hardware all day and I love it. I love turning screwdrivers. I love working on tech, not even just computers, but electronics. And uh, I'm kind of like you. I'd like to look at, you know, what does this IC do? Why are these power capac like filter capacitors here on this line when the power supply is all the way over there? Stuff like that. I like I like learning decisions that were made in the design of something that everyone around me, or in some cases no one around me because it's very obscure, uh, loved a certain console for. So yeah, I mean like I, I feel like this is probably a good, good first episode to just kind of like gauge what our interests are and then i feel like i don't know we could probably talk about like a single subject and one like you know in recurring pro podcast we could probably talk about a single thing as a main right. theme like you you mentioned analog signals uh you said you were fine at first with composite video and i feel like i could talk about an hour on just being okay with shitty video signals <laughs> Like I, I, to a certain extent, I, I'll go by streams of retro streamers. Uh, for one that I can think of right off the bat, the mechanical Koopa. Um, I don't know if you want to do shoutouts here, but he's a pretty cool guy. Um, or actually, they I think they may be changing their identity. Anyway, they use really, uh, they use a VCR to get oh to get to get composite video from. RF. <laughs> so they're I taking see. base RF, putting through a VCR, and then sending that to a capture device that is capable of cap ta they're taking in uh, composite video. I think I think uh, RetroTink was going to be the is the company they're using. Yeah, uh, I think they're using a RetroTink, possibly a Mini. I know that one has. I know they all have composite stuff, but. Yeah, you're familiar with like RetroTank. You know what an OSSC is. We uh, there's probably plenty of people out there who at least could identify with the the two percent of things that we know. <laughs> yeah, versus everyone I, else. I one thing you're getting at that I kind of think or agree with is we should maybe like agree on a subject to talk about uh, preceding the next show. Because right, I. We can probably go at length on a few of these things that we've that we've brought up. Yeah. Um, I want people know, to I, be able to see like, okay, this is the episode they talk about this. We don't have they don't yeah. have to sit there for forty minutes until I get to something that they wanted to know. Right. Um, so perhaps I was gonna say I was gonna bring up like news, like like let's get to the things that I was. Well, well, at least thinking we would talk about. Yeah, perhaps. let's do that. Let's do that. Which is, did you see the new Nintendo Direct? I watched the majority of it. I was in my car, so I couldn't see too much because I had it on video. But you know, I also watching the road, so I'm mostly just right. listening to it. Um, I wasn't 
too impressed, but I wasn't as mad as everyone else seemed to be. But that just might be the internet being the internet. Yeah, I, I well, part of it is probably that the, it's been a long time since there's a Nintendo Direct, right? Was there? And, do they do twice twice a year? Uh, yeah, right. I think the last one might have been small or something. Mm. I don't know exactly, but it's mostly what I keep hearing is that it's just been a long time. Yeah. Uh, I don't exactly remember when the last one was, or if it was only about Smash Bros. or or something <laughs> like that. Um, but yeah, so right it, to address like why people might be disappointed by it, I think it was a long wait. And then also, there's just a couple like really big things that people are waiting to hear about, which is Breath of the Wild two and Metroid Prime four, right? And they didn't talk about either of those. Uh, other than that, though, it was um, it was okay. Uh, there there was some interesting stuff in there. Uh, you know, they started out with the Pyra announcement for Smash. Or Homura, if you played with Japanese voices. So we're past the point where... Okay, first of all, it should be known. I do not like Smash. I play Oh, it. God, this is a whole different conversation for us. Yep. Yes, it is. And so... Okay, but I will I will give you this. I love Super Smash Brothers on the Nintendo 64. Probably one of my favorite N64 games ever made. Um, Melee and Onward is too busy for me okay i can't it's 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 i joke i often joke that smash bros uh is less of a fighting game than ddr because it's it, it doesn't feel like a fighting game so if you play any other even if you go back to fighting games before like the first street fighter which was dog shit and before mortal Kombat, there's like 70s like uh like vector uh vector crt graphic games where you like a you're like a knight with a pole like a lance and you're just it, it's not jousting but you're in a circle and the goal the goal is to pierce their throat and kill them obviously simple game uh you aim you shoot that's it that feels more like a fighting game than smash bros does which brings me to my next point um a lot of people argue that it is a fighting game. I'm, I, I just joke around. I, I, I agree that it's kind of like a fighting game, but it's it's more like a brawler character, or a brawler kind of game. Because there are other games like Power Stone on Dreamcast that are the same thing. Uh, I think I think Sony tried, and the fact that I can't even remember the name of it is it like Sony All Stars or something? Where PlayStation like, All Stars Battle Royale, baby! God damn, I would never have remembered that because it's it, they're all that kind of genre. And there's like if you consider the genre of fighting games to be even bigger, you have like beat 'em ups and stuff. But back to back to Smash. I just wanted you to I wanted you guys to know that's me. That's where I'm coming from on Smash. With Smash, if I were to add a character, I'd first have to know, are we past the point where uh it's even a Nintendo property anymore? Nice. For the audio listeners, he's he has it on desk here. <laughs> oh boy, did I buy that game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, to be fair, I saw, and this could be a false memory, I saw Crash Bandicoot and like what looked like a brawler game, and I said, I want that fucking game, and I, then I never heard a thing about it ever again. I don't think, I didn't, I don't think Crash is in it, dude. Well, I thought he was in it. I don't think what he other is. Characters, what characters are in that game? Uh, I'm not even going to look. I'm, I'm going to try to remember, right? Um, even okay, though I did just for look it. for a moment. It had Kratos. <laughs> it had uh, it had Dante, but new Dante from new Devil May Cry. I haven't played um, a single Devil May Cry. It had uh, Nathan Drake. 
I I want to say that's why I thought it was so weird because it had Nathan Drake in it. I was like, mm-hmm. what? Um, I'm sure Cole McGrath from uh, Infamous was in it. Uh, you know, Infamous either. Jack and Daxter, I, Parappa the Rapper, as DLC Cat from uh, from Gravity Rush was in it. And here's the thing about this game: is you say all these characters, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Sony has a has a storied pedigree of characters, mm-hmm. right? There's a wealth of them. They've got a lot of good characters. Like, imagine, for a moment, imagine Microsoft trying to make a game like this. It would be an absolute joke, because they don't have anybody. No, um, they have so Master Chief, good... and then, like, three other Master Chiefs. Right. So, it's a good idea for Sony to have made uh, a, you know... It's a good idea for Sony to have made a, a Smash Bros-style game. You know, the game's just not very good. They just didn't do a very good job with it. Um, yeah. And and uh, and I can tell you exactly why. There is very clearly one huge problem with this game, which is that it's not ringouts. Um, the way that you defeat other players is when you strike players with attacks, you build up a meter... And you, you use that meter to use a super attack, and super attacks kill. But what that means is that you can beat on one person and then go use the super on another person, and so everything just feels kind of like it, it doesn't have that... Oh, you can build up meter and then just lay everyone to waste? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, right. Um, so it doesn't have the direct feeling where the person who is the best at the game wins or the person who mm. is the worst loses. It's so just kind it's just kind of all over the place. <laughs> um, so I feel like it, it's one of those things where it's like they they tried to make a Smash Bros game, right? But Smash Bros itself, for what it is, is as, about as good as it can be as far as the des- the general design of it. Okay, maybe uh, maybe I'm not right here, but what I'm ultimately getting at... I think the at, things that I hate about it uh-huh. are things that are endemic to Smash Bros, and uh, w- removing them would not make it a, a better game. W- what I'm getting at is if, if you change something about the formula, you're probably making it worse because yeah. it's... Uh, like, when you've changed something massive about it, uh, here, uh, like, l- I'm not saying that Smash Bros. is perfect, and that's what it sounds like. What I'm saying is, if you take a game and you're going to say, I'm going to make this exactly like Super Smash Bros., however, I'm going to change this one huge aspect of it, eh, it sounds like it's not very well thought out. Because, you know, Smash Bros. is a game built around itself, and you're basically copying it, but you're making one huge change that the rest of the game isn't necessarily changed around. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you took Castlevania and you made it so that you could turn mid-air, and you didn't change anything else about it, right? Well, if you made it a little bit easier, then you just have Super Castlevania 4. uh, Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm saying like, like regular NES Castlevania, if you just make that one change, well, the rest of the game isn't designed around that change. So you've made the game worse. Exactly. That's the problem with PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. Oh my God. I said the name right. Um, (laughs) but, uh, they're kind of like a victim of just like 
the Nintendo with Smash Bros made something that really didn't exist. Uh, not at least in the way that games were back then. Like there's there's fighting games, there's beat em, there's beat 'em up games, and then there's Nintendo, who is just in general, especially because uh, it was made by HAL Laboratories eventually, but like well not eventually, but to start out, but um, they're 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 kind of good. No, I'm I'm sorry. They're actually probably the best at making mini games in games. Like thinking like Mario Party. And it feels like Smash Brothers is a fighting game version. Like if 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 a fighting game had a mini game, I feel like that's what Smash Bros would be. So it never took itself too seriously in the early days and then Melee came out. <laughs> and then I I remember specifically what it was. I uh not to go off too much on a controller tangent here, but I love the N64 controller. Hated the N6 or the GameCube controller for Smash. It felt entirely wrong. Uh, I used the C buttons on the N64 game or N64 games, and like with the C stick, it felt backwards. Uh, it felt like it was wanting to be a weird mix of a PS2 and Xbox controller, and it didn't work out for me. And I, I played Brawl. I'm sorry, not Brawl. I played Melee. Got in it. Notice that the the maps now zoom twice as far out as they ever could have. And uh, also, there are like eight more ways for you to fall to your death by ringing yourself out. And I swear, I shit you not, no matter how many hours I play of Smash, gravity kills me more than anything else. Play as a Even floating character. To double jump. Learn to play Puff, yeah, like, dude. Yeah, like, <laughs> jiggly, I, I'll do Jigglypuff, right? And I, I did this for a while. I don't like her damage, at least in the game that I played. Uh, at least that's how I remember it. But every time I would do the thing where you just like, you know, puff, 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 puff back to the stage so you don't die. I feel like it was always the case where I still died because I was out of air at like five feet away from the edge of the level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, I, I'm going to go back to playing Soul Calibur 2 because at least when I get ring out there... It was earned, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any other... <laughs> and No, this is totally on just my skill level. This is not anything on the game, but I don't think it's... I don't think it's probably right to judge a game based off how bad I am at it. It's just something about the, the simplicity of the controls that were also complex. Mm-hmm. So, I... Uh, w- with Smash Bros, like, I'm not very good at it, and I'm not very good at any fighting games. Fighting games are, like, the... One of the... F- genres that i've hardly touched at all here's and, the thing though you'll uh-huh. be amazing at them i know you'll be <laughs> so um but the the few times you know I, I, like if i'm at an arcade i'm gonna play around a street fighter you know or i'm gonna oh there's mortal Kombat. you gotta play a, a, a round of it Absolutely. you know but every time that i play a a you know that t- that style of fighting game as in like when you say fighting game exactly what people think um i just think like ah oh, god this the the controls are so weird i just want to play smash bros you know i just <laughs> like i think about smash bros and it's like in smash bros you can sprint you can do little dodge rolls you know you can double jump and like every and you can hold down to drop yourself faster everything is so much less rigid uh, and and this is a little funny coming from someone who loves fucking Castlevania, but uh, but like the that rigidity of fighting games, I always just feel like it's it's like I'm, it's it's like 
I'm walking through, I'm like wading through water. You yes. know what I mean? Like I'm trying to fight someone underwater is what it feels like with the controls. I, I know exactly what you mean because Smash Bros has, when you play it, you're automatically moving around. You're jumping up and down. You're platforming. You are uh, throwing out offense in one direction towards the enemy, preferably. But with fighting games, usually, especially in the 2D era or just in general 2D style of fighting games, you have one dimension of movement, kind of like Smash, but it's one single stage and you have a certain pacing to it. Smash Bros. is a faster pace game, whereas uh, fighting games can be slow, like damn slow, or they can be damn fast. And everything you said that you like that you can do in Smash is something that at least one or ten fighting video games actually has in it. It's just mostly about how I would say every, every I would say Smash Bros. characters are super easy to introduce yourself into and learn the moves, and then you learn the rest of the game meta after that. Fighting game characters, fighting games are about you. You start a game, you pick a character, you go, oh, this guy looks cool, and then you dick around with them. You maybe get two special moves, and then you maybe get like five, you know, auto hit combos, and and then uh, or if it's like classic MK2, it's just Sub Zero standing in place, rapid punching up where there's nobody's head, but he just gets hit anyway, and then that's a combo for that day. Old school Mortal Kombat. I, I love it. It's my heart and soul, but they're trash. They're trash fighting games. They're <laughs> terrible. Um, That's how I feel about Killer Instinct. But when you say you're going, you feel like you're going through the water, I get it because the controls have always been based off of arcade controls, which is a stick. And before the the classic joystick and then couple buttons layout was, was popular, there was an arcade game that got immensely popular called Karate Champ. I didn't play it on NES as a kid because my daycare actually had an arcade cabinet of it. Just that game, though. So that's where I got my love of fighting games is in, like, daycare. But that game didn't have the buttons. It, it was a game that used two joysticks, no buttons, except for maybe, like, start or something. So you have to figure out, with two joysticks, how to move a human being. So you feel like Plankton when he's controlling SpongeBob's brain with just two levers as he's walking. So I totally get that. That's totally like that carries over into the later games of, okay, I'm moving back and now I'm moving forward. But there's a lot more mechanics going on in back and forward movement in a fighting game in general that probably do carry over into Smash. But the movement speed thing, I think I get what you mean. Um, yeah, like let me yeah. let me let me be clear. I'm not dissing fighting games. I love sure. watching them. You know, it's just when oh, I fantastic. you know when I play them, it's just that feeling of my character is is 75 percent the the height of the screen. You know, like they're like they're big characters on the screen, but they move <laughs> but they move slowly. And Smash Bros mm -hmm. is you're a little guy in the screen and you move really fast. And I I like I like little guy moves fast is all i'm saying is as far as you know what i you would love uh you would love probably king of fighters or guilty gear those are two faster paced games where i would say if you just sat down and played street fighter 2 special champion edition you know classic street fighter 2 and then you sit down and play the competing game of the year, probably. Well, in that era, it's probably going to be more like KOF 94, which is the first one. But like 
there's an instant difference in movement speed. Um, like, uh, okay, so Guilty Gear, for example, has something called air dashing. You can dash forward in uh, in in fighting games in general, usually with a with a double input of the forward or back. You can back dash in certain games too. Um, but air dashing is like you have that, except now it's up in the air. Mm-hmm. So the fighting games action in in a Guilty Gear game is just all the it's like Dragon Ball Z anime levels of fucking fighting, except you can actually kind of see things, and they're just not cheaping out animation by just showing lines and sh- little like ringer uh, sound thing. But you know, it's it's something you would probably like because it's a lot more mobile than something like Street Fighter feels. Street Fighter feels like you're walking through cement mm-hmm. by comparison. So. Uh, also, Guilty Gear has that babe in it, right? Uh, you know every the Every fighting game, every fighting game has like three babes. <laughs> I, I I have said for a while that like if I got into a fighting game, it would be Guilty Gear, just from other things I've seen and heard about it too. You know, it's also the very metal fighting game, right? So yeah, it's it's all like the creators are just. They're, it's kind of like it's kind of like the creators of JoJo, where they're just like f- like fascinated by just uh, um, like Western rock and metal sounds. So they, even though like the the matches will start off with just nonsensical announcer talk, like uh, uh, well, okay, I can't remember the the intros now, but like an ending will be like to the new Strive, the new game Strive. Like you kill someone, it'll go slash, and I think it's just like that. Either may just be their outro to the match or it's announcing what you uh hit with i actually think it might be the latter but there are other instances where it's like the the way that the match starts off it's not like one two fight like mortal Kombat. it's like oh God, it's like rock on or some shit or i, I can't dude it's like it's killing me I three can't. two one let's jam it's not quite the tank level, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely like that vibe, I guess you'd say, though. Except metal, not jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. God to your song, though. Let's rock. All right. Um, anyway, anyway. Oh man. So uh, look, I got I got lots of notes about the about the uh, the direct, but I don't think we got to go through it all. However, we can always make a a direct centric episode. That's I true. Mind talking about everything they released. Uh, I do really want to mention for me sort of the bomb drop was outer wilds is coming to switch that that's the thing that like they said it right away and i was like whoa this is gonna be huge the direct and then the rest of it wasn't as good right but right away they they showed outer wilds on switch which i is really surprising to me just because i didn't expect that game to really run on switch um you know have you do what let, so let me ask you, what do you know about Outer Wilds? I thought it was Outer Worlds. Yeah. And then you corrected me. <laughs> right. Not the Outer Worlds, which yeah. I think is already on Switch, if I'm not mistaken. I would not know. Um, so Outer Wilds and the Outer Worlds, they, those, they are both uh, PC Obsidian? games. No. But they are both okay. PC games that were on Kickstarter. Maybe they were on Kickstarter, and then they were Epic exclusive, and now they're on Steam, <laughs> and now they're on Switch. Uh, oh God! So uh, there's a lot of confusion between these two games, right? But anyway, okay. So the thing about Outer Wilds is, as far as like, let's do a game review of like something I've played recently. That was my number one game that I wanted to talk about today, anyway. Uh, and now it's coming to Switch, so that's pretty cool. 
I hope it runs well. That's all I can say. <laughs> like, if it comes out and it's like, hey, it's it's 30 FPS and it sucks, uh, and there's lo- they added loading times in between the planets and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, I guess that's not that surprising because it seems like a rough game to run. Uh, but if it's not like that and it runs well on Switch, I'll be very impressed. Uh, I was just gonna say I've been telling my nephew to play it forever, and uh, and he mm. he has a Switch, but he doesn't have any platforms that otherwise that he can play it on. So now he can play it on Switch. Yeah, that's really that's really what it's all about. Um, I like that the Switch is available for games that you know you're just not gonna get otherwise. Um, say if you just don't have a certain console and don't plan to buy it. I love ports in that respect, but yeah, I, I'm the same way. Every time I hear about something coming to the Switch, quote unquote, that's my first thought: is God damn it. Well, am I gonna? Is it gonna look good? Is it gonna run good? Because I can't even begin to tell you. Like, I, 60 frame rate snob here, guilty as charged. Uh, that's mostly from my first person shooter days. But in going back to fighting games, that's impossible. There's a game called SNK Heroines um, Tag Team Frenzy. That is the girls of... It's a fan service game. It's it's about as Japanese anime uh, scantily clad as you can get. All the girls from uh, certain fighting game uh, franchises by SNK. We only got it on Switch in the United States. It exists on PS4 uh in japan and i think i can import a chinese copy of it which will have english in it but i think they stopped selling it and it's really expensive now but it's like okay now i have to deal with this game on switch and it's i i can play it 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 runs shitty but it's okay because to be honest it's not that great of a game anyway (laughs) well uh outer wilds i think is is a big deal for switch and i'll i'll have plenty to say about it later when we get to the let's actually talk about it for a minute um, the, th- I think the biggest thing probably for most people is Squaresoft, Enix, sorry, they, Square uh, Enix, yeah. <laughs> well, how long has it been? I still, I, I still call them you Squaresoft. You still play games with Enix on the box, so I don't blame you, right? Uh, where they're, right, I, I see the Squaresoft boot up more than I see Me the too. Square Enix one, so. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> That's the test. Uh, so anyway. Uh, they had like two new games to show. Um, one of them was well, one of them is Bravely Default Two, mm, and yeah. uh, people are happy about that. Yeah, so I have a bit of a history with Bravely Default. Um, so here's the deal with Bravely Default: it came out for 3DS, right? And it's a like classical JRPG. You know, there hadn't been one of those from Square in a while. You got spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile. More like spiritual successor to Final Fantasy, old school, like okay, Final okay, Fantasy V, even where it's like, here it is. You got four dudes on the, your side of the screen. There's enemies on the other side of the screen. It's turn based. There's a job system. You've got your sub jobs so that everybody's really two jobs. It's got all that shit. The soundtrack is banging. The graphics are great. Uh, and like the first half of this game is 10 out of 10, dude. It's like, if you like JRPGs, it is the greatest shit until, and it's time for major spoilers, but Hey, look, the sequel's about to come out. So it's time to talk about the first game halfway through the game. 
you the whole thing is you got to light up these crystals and then you're going to go fight the bad guy because you also final fantasy (laughs) five yeah so uh after you light up the crystals then the world is going to be saved right after after this person does this thing right but you do it and they're like oh it didn't work and you know you light up the fourth crystal oh it didn't work and everybody blacks out and then we wake up and we're back in time we have our memories of what all just happened but we're back in time and it didn't work for some reason. All right. So then they have you do it all again. And uh, and you do it all again. And then the same thing just happens. And then they're like, okay, do it a third time. And then do it a fourth <laughs> time. And by the end of the game, they make you go through and do all this shit five times. Now, here's the deal. They do shorten it up a little bit every time. You know, they, they, they like, consolidate the story a little bit more every time, so it takes less time. But my issue, though, is that it it turns into this game where the four main characters that you're playing as are the four stupidest individuals that have ever been written into a game. Because who would do this? They don't talk about anything as a team. You've got a team of four fucking people. Four people, and when the thing that you try to do doesn't go right, and then everybody wakes up back in time, they don't discuss it. They don't have, like, a team meeting about, like, what do you guys think this means? Or, maybe this time we shouldn't murder everybody. Or that kind of thing. You know what I mean? But nobody has any of these discussions. They only just say, oh, wow, isn't that weird that it didn't work? Guess we better just do it again. And they do that four times. Oh, like, no. And so... <laughs> And so this game that starts out so amazing, it's like the the stupidity of the main characters and the, the awfulness of the plot just makes it like really just irritating to play because you're seeing all this stuff over and over again, so it's repetitive, but it's like slightly different every time because they are doing it another time, you know, and so like the cutscenes right. are slightly different. Um, and you're just, the whole time, you're just waiting for the characters to, like, think about something. Or, like, <laughs> y- you know, and they just never, they're just this? idiots. Uh, so, <laughs> it's it just, it drove me insane. So, in, in the Start end. contrast, then, from the first game? Um, from what first game? Or is this the first game? This is the is first the game first I'm game? talking oh, about. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. I thought it was after. So, uh, so I, I, so I really liked the game up until like that halfway point where then you have to do everything over and over again and all the characters are really dumb and they never talk about anything and it's really frustrating. Uh, so in the end, it's like a game that I wouldn't even recommend because it's like a waste of time. Even though, even though the, the engine and like the structure of the, or like the, the job system and the battle system and all that is really great, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it drove me nuts, right? But that does mean that now we got Bravely Default 2 coming out, and I'm thinking, like, they can't just do that again, right? Like, it would be ridiculous. <laughs> it would be ridiculous if they fucked up that badly again. You know, they've got the, they, they still got cool job system. They've still got great soundtrack. It's on the Switch now, you know? All these things are great. The like the thing that went wrong with the first one was the plot. So like, as long as they just write a better story, you've got a ten out of ten game. It makes me wonder what caused it to be. It, it sounds like it was a case of like, 
rushed deadlines or something. They didn't have time to fill that 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 area of of plot, but they needed to keep the game extended out a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, and and like once I kind of breezed over it, but w- one of my biggest issues with the plot being written the way that it was was that like you come across a bunch of bad guys. You know, you fight through people, but they're human, right? You're fighting a lot of humans, uh, and I feel like the moral the morals of a story need to be pretty clear like when you're when you're when you're fighting human opposition in a game it implies that like they have a reason to be fighting you right they've got a system of beliefs they've got a reason that they think that you are wrong and so there needs to be a discussion of the morals you know but every cutscene in the game that is good guy and bad guy talking to each other, they just kind of say that the other one's wrong. Neither person <laughs> like just like says their point. They're just like, you're an asshole and you're wrong. And then the other person is like, you never listen to me. You're an asshole and you're wrong. And then they fight to the death, you know, and and like that's what you get out of it. So then, so that's already frustrating, right? The fact that I'm, like, killing all these humans without really understanding their position or knowing why it's okay for me to be doing that. But then, now, imagine you are those characters where this has happened, including the death of one of the main character's fathers. (laughs) Imagine this is your party, and now you all go back in time. And so you have the chance to do it all again, and so everyone, you just murder everyone again without talking about it? Like, it's, it's fucked the way that this game is written. You would think that it would be like an opportunity to learn more about what's happening and to not kill people and figure out a better way to do the quest. But literally, the discussion between the characters is, oh, well, you know, I don't know what else we could do except just do it again and see if it works this time. And that's all you get. Four times. How so, does it get a? How does the game get away with doing that? I, I, I mean, it, it, it's a SquareSoft game. They probably had the budget. I would assume. Yeah, it's I, strange. I think that they think they were writing a cool story. You know, oh. <laughs> um, kind of like how the uh, the people who made the Sonic Adventure movie, or Sonic the Hedgehog movie, thought they had a really great working design of Sonic. Yeah, yeah, because like <laughs> the. You know, I I could see it working if it was done differently, you know, if it was like, what if it was more like Groundhog's Day where like he tries to do things differently and it just fucks up in different ways, you know? It just turns into a roguelike halfway through. Yeah, like you can do this kind of story. The problem is that they is that you watch Groundhog's Day and it's like the character goes through all of the motions that you would go through if you were in that position where where first it's really weird and you're in denial, you know, and then you're like, well, fuck it, you know, and you just do what, you know, and then you start to, like, try to construct the perfect day and that kind of thing, and you go through those motions, right? You can do that. This game doesn't do that. It's just, yeah, you know. What if what if in Groundhog's Day, Bill Murray wakes up and every day he goes, ah, it's the same day again. Guess I'll just do the same thing exactly the same, the same as last time. Exactly, yeah. And then they <laughs> and then so you just watch the opening act of the movie five times and then it's over. 
and then uh, it, you know. it just works. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it's over. <laughs> so at the end, at the end of Bravely Default, there is this big reveal, right? The big reveal is that the little uh, ma- there's this little mascot fairy with you who's telling you what to do the entire time. Um, who's like saying, you guys got to do the crystals, right? And then you do the crystals and she's like, okay, I'm going to do the thing. Uh, Oh, fucked up, right? It's like this little fairy that's doing that the whole time. And like, it's also, it's like this thing where it's like very clearly established throughout the game that she's like, uh, she doesn't like having her question, her authority questioned, you know, like she gets really snappy anytime anyone questions her, right? Um, which they stop doing eventually. So, so obviously she's something's wrong here. Um, but anyway, so after you do it five times, then it's, you know, Oh, Oh, and she's got like a number on her wings. The, 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 the design on her wings is like a five at the start of the game. And after you do the crystal thing once, then it's a four. And then after that, it's a three. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's a good idea. And, um, but like, Again, when you have this information, oh, and one of the characters in your party has amnesia. And uh, like after the third awakening or whatever, or the third the third crystal cycle, he gets his memories back and remembers that she's a bad guy, sort of, and knows about the wing pattern, but he just doesn't say anything. Like it's it's so He's bizarre. Figure it out. <laughs> it's so bizarre. So yeah. then at at the but at the end, then the the main villain or the 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 fairy is like. Ha ha, idiots, I've been leading you on this entire time, and I got you to do it five times, and that means that the big bad guy comes out, and then the big bad guy comes out, and you, through the power of friendship, you fight him and defeat him, and then that's the ending, right? So, anyway, the second one is coming out in three days, and I'm thinking, like... Uh, again, everything else about the game was so good that, it, like, as long as the plot isn't bad then they've got themselves a really good game, right? Um, so even though I can rant for a long time about the baffling decisions of the first one, I, I'm still going to play the second one, I think. Um, I played the demo, though. So I got the demo, right? And hmm. uh, it seems all right. I got some issues with it, though. Mostly, Does pre- it show you much of the story? There, Yeah. there's You get, like, the character dynamic, right? Like, there's mm. there's plenty of cutscenes with the voice acting and all that. Um, so you, you, you get introduced to the characters, but not necessarily the, the story so much. I got some issues with, like, the visuals of it. I feel like it does not have a very cohesive visual style. The first game had this really cool style to it where uh, all of the environments had like this this hand-drawn look to them, but they were 3D. It was like 3D, but the textures on them were like kind of hand-painted looking. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and so like when it moved the camera around, it looked really cool. And then the 3DS had this style to its characters. I don't know if this is something that's not cel-shaded, is it? Kind of. It's like the 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 3DS has this th- this look to it that a lot of games share where there's like a one pixel outline on 3D models 
that I, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I think it looks really neat, and with like the little chibi characters and the little outline on them, and it's so it's kind of cell shaded looking. I thought that it it all fit together really nicely. So, uh, Bravely Default Two has kind of the same hand painted looking uh, towns, but the characters don't have any of that like outline or cell shading at all to them. They look like little figurines, kind of. Like it's hard to explain exactly. They're still chibi characters, but they they don't have any kind of like stylization to them. Um, I see what you mean. Yeah, they kind of they kind of look like a little bit more anime styled. What was it? Final Fantasy Eleven, where they had like the little bunny people or something. Um, whereas in the older, it kind of looked a little bit more. Well, on the 3ds anyway. It's I, I see what you mean. I it, it is kind of like the environment looks cell shaded. Like the rocks are definitely cell shaded. The characters themselves are just straight up 3D models. I think. Yeah, and they they just look like they look like they're made of plastic. You know, which yeah, kind of yeah. Which I think I think that really clashes with the backgrounds, um, and it kind of drove me a little nuts. Uh, and then the other like thing, little dolls. Yeah, and <laughs> then guess. the other thing was motion blur. So they've also got like motion blur on the animations and such. And and when you're running around in a dungeon, right? So you get to a dungeon and it's like a top-down view and as you run around your companions follow you, but like they are all motion blurred out as they're like whipping around and moving around behind you. And I don't know, it just I hated how it looked. <laughs> yeah, I I respect that. I mean, the thing that has me most excited um and I haven't even played the first game of it yet, is uh, the, the triangle strategy, yeah. which is the spiritual successor to Octopath. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but I think Octopath's style of graphical design of classic low-res 2D sprite characters and beautifully rendered, but still kind of have you has the feeling that you're looking down at like a model train station <laughs> or mm-hmm. something characters like that in beautifully rendered 3d worlds with nice particle effects and weather systems and fog effects it's probably one of the most gorgeous fucking art styles i've ever seen in a game i haven't played octopath yet uh, mostly because i don't really do a lot of stuff on the switch to be honest and again jrpgs and the time consumption so i i might sound like a negative nancy here but uh i so that's a style right a visual style I hate it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so, I just I, I I'm not big into like putting depth of field blurry effects onto pixel art. You know, I think it just makes it really tough to look at. Over top, like as in like you're seeing the sprite, but you see it through uh, like a like a layer of fog or something. Yeah, like where stuff on the yeah, yeah like the the because the... if you were seeing those characters naturally, uh, especially on a CRT, they'd be bright and lit and illuminated, so you wouldn't understand why they'd be faded or foggy. I guess I can see that specifically. It's like blurry, um, just the blurriness. Yeah. So I got I got an, a bigger issue though when I so I played the Project Triangle strategy demo. Also, and so here's the deal. You, I, I don't need to explain this super technically because I think you'll pick it up pretty quickly. What I'm saying. Make so sure you, the audience does too, though. So, so you've got a sprite drawing of a character, some pixel art, right? Every pixel yeah. is one pixel, right? If you want to blow that character up bigger uh, and make it be pixel art, 
you need to increase the size of it by a whole integer. As in, Correct. you need to exactly double its size or triple its size, because that way every column of pixels becomes three pixels. Every row of pixels becomes three pixels, if Correct. you're tripling the size, that is. So if you imagine one pixel, it is now a three by three pixel. Problem is, if you, if you blow it up three times, but then go slightly smaller, like two pixels, two real TV pixels smaller... Now you've got two pixels in that sprite that has been blown up three times that you need to get rid of. And so two of the columns on that character or that image are going to be one pixel thinner, right? And two of the rows are going to be one pixel thinner because it's slightly smaller than exactly tripled. You know what I'm saying? Why would you have... Are you saying the game specifically upscales to slightly smaller than 3X, or are you just giving a general example? I am giving a general example, but it is also what the game does. Oh, jeez. So... So you're saying the sprites look like they're not in the correct aspect ratio? Yeah. So, Interesting. So what you... and, and But it, the thing is, it gets super exacerbated by the camera. So if you... Oh. So, so take, this, take this idea that you've got a pixelized sprite where if you blew it up exactly three times, it looks great. It looks like the regular thing, but it's three times bigger. Now, if you take two or three pixels off of that, it needs to evenly distribute throughout the character because it's done dynamically, right? So it evenly distributes throughout the sprite, three columns and three rows where it, it gets rid of one yeah. row or column. And so those pixels are thinner and smaller. So that's what it looks like in the game. And But the, pro the special problem, though, is that the camera slowly pans left and right on every scene. The camera is oh. really subtly moving left and right, which under normal circumstances would look good. It's a little bit of camera movement. However, the way that that interacts with the character sprites is that they are very slightly getting larger and smaller as the character move as the camera moves which causes the number of thinner pixels and the position of them to move in a way that is smooth because the camera's moving really slowly and so what you end up with is you're looking at this character sprite and they have this visible grid on them of, of thinner pixels that you can see moving on the character as the camera shifts. Let me ask this. Did you play this game and notice this in both uh, mobile and uh, docked I, on I only played it docked. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, I, I guess I would have to play it to really see what you mean, but I haven't seen anything like that in the gameplay I've seen. I, so let me give a, a, a better example, or, or like a, a more clear example as to what I'm talking about with this grid. Imagine you're playing, like, imagine what you've probably seen before on a, a retro game that is a side-scroller. Jail bars? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Or, okay. So yeah. if, you're, if you're looking at a side-scroller, um, you would if you're just looking at a, at a still shot, you wouldn't really notice right away that one of the pixels is thinner. But when you have a scrolling background, you see every pixel pass by that thinner column 
And so it becomes a bar that you can see on the screen because it's noticeable as stuff moves past it. So with these characters, it's like a grid on them that you can see that is like this. And it's 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 moving across them all the time because the camera is slightly moving. Have you seen there was there was a cartoon that I think kind of illustrates what you're kind of saying. There was a cartoon. I wish I could remember what it was called. But it was a, I think I think a few shows did this, but a character in the show was wearing plaid and it was not as if they were wearing a plaid sweatshirt. They were wearing plaid that chroma keyed to the background. So the plaid pattern stayed the same while the character moved around with the shirt on. Mm-hmm. So the movement, th- there was no movement in the pattern of the shirt. It was just the movement of the animation lines of the character. It, it sounds like that's kind of like what you're saying. Y- yeah, like it sounds like a nitpick, but I, I, you know, and a lot of people don't care. I think it drove me fucking insane <laughs> when I was playing it. I, I wish I could see it. I couldn't stop staring at it. Like the, there was all this dialogue going on and story trying to be said to me, and I was just like, just zoned in, just locked into this effect that was just driving me insane. I, I was just gonna say, I guess the thing that appeals to me most about it is it feels like when I watch footage of the gameplay, because again, I still don't own it. Um, I think it is exactly what I had hoped. Uh, newer quote-unquote 3D Pokemon games would have looked like. Mm. Like, if I could have had the Pokemon universe in this style, like, think about think about the setting of Octopath. It's in the woods a lot of the time, uh, or mountains. There's lots of nice fog. Think of think of that just being like, I don't know, take, take, the, take some of the warmth out of the color, make it a little bit more neutral or even cool, and then, like, think of that as the Viridian Forest. And I was like, oh, shit. This this fucking cabin here looks like a Pokemon Center. That is kind of why I like it so much. And when I tried, like, Pokemon Platinum, it was in that style, but to a way, way less detailed degree. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's something I guess I just feel like I hope we got, but never did. And then I saw this, and it's like, oh, this is like... It's kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics graphics without a field map. So here's what I was going to say, or what I was just thinking, actually, was is it is a style that can be done well, totally. Um, I just feel like it needs to be executed slightly differently. Like, mm-hmm. as, far, as far as the problem with the sizes of the characters, look at Final Fantasy Tactics, right? There's a game where the camera moves and pans around, yet the characters are always the correct size, you know? So it, and because they're sprites, they're always forward-facing. They spin towards the camera. Yeah, and this game, uh, the Project Triangle strategy, it does the same thing, where it's got the it. it's got the forty-five degree angle version of the sprite. It's got the face-on one. You know, it does oh, that. That's cool. So they could just make the characters not do the thing I'm complaining about by just making them like a static size. Um, you know. I think it's just a matter of the the way that they've executed it is that it's not the what do you call it is it orthographic where like a 3D plane isn't uh it doesn't take perspective into account um so I think orthopedic but <laughs> <laughs> no so I... like so like Final Fantasy Tactics, if a character is all the way on the other side of the map versus a character that's to the front, they're the same it's size. Like Godzilla or something. Like if you were to actually use perspective, I see what you exactly. mean. Exactly. Yeah. 
But I think, and I'm not, I'm not positive, but I think the problem that I'm facing is that pri- tri- Project Triangle Project doesn't do that. <laughs> and so when the characters are a little bit further away from the screen, they're slightly smaller. And that is exactly mm. what causes the problem. I was just about to say, so distance, that is something that is not able to be taken account of in a game with 2D sprites that have a set limit of uh, animation frames. Distance is definitely going to be... That's that's almost like... I guess I, I can liken it to playing like a Lego game. You know what I mean? Everything feels like it's going to be a certain size, but do they scale the 3D models of the Legos as they go past? You can't really do that with something that's pixelated because, yes, then exactly what happens is you're seeing, you're seeing scaling that is not happening... Uh, at the same rate of like the camera's viewing angle of it, I guess. Yeah. So that I I totally see that now. I never took that into consideration, but I think that does definitely fit the definition of nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Some people they would have never noticed. To me, it it was just this like glaring thing that just it distracted me and drove me insane. So uh, the the rest of this demo, though, um, my experience with it was that, uh, and this is, okay, this is even more, look, I'm a grumpy old man, uh, but this is a demo, right? So I download this demo for you to show me your new game, and it is front-loaded with, like, 20 or 30 minutes of dialogue and talking. Oh, and I'm just no. like, just, just give me a battle! This is a, <laughs> this is a tactical RPG. Just, I want to get into that grid-based battle system, you know? Uh, to the point you had earlier, though, uh, with Bravely Default, there are games like that which, you know, especially, like, with tactics, uh, and I think tactics, for as much as I'm actually not a fan of it, it does do well establishing the politics of the of the era in the universe that they're in. Like, well, this kingdom is is was our was our ally in this conflict, so they're friendly towards us. Maybe we should go send them reinforcements when this happens. Stuff like that. That, that happens in the very first part of the game, but it's not 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I, and right, and I... I realize some people play games just for story, you know, and and they'll they'll have a great time with that intro to that yes. demo, getting very immersed, you know. I'm I, I'm the like get, I, I want gameplay, right? Gameplay is the is three times more important than any other thing, at least. Um, oh yeah. And so for a demo, I want that right away. But uh, yeah, so this is something I got one more thing to talk about with project triangle strategy um which is that so you get into a fight right finally we're into i'm done bitching about how the graphics look and all too much story you get into a fight right seems pretty fun uh the the tactical fighting is really cool um you know it feels it feels a lot like final fantasy tactics if you're into tactical rpgs it's not the fire emblem style or the Advance Wars style, it's the like Final Fantasy Tactics style, you know? Your units are your units, and you go up to a dude, and you hit the guy on the square next to you. Uh, the, the, big, the biggest mechanic was that if, you, if there is a, another ally of yours on the other side of a dude that you're hitting, they'll combo, right? But nice. then the same thing happens with enemies also. So you got to be careful yeah. with your positioning uh, and that kind of stuff. So it seemed really cool. The different characters were very unique from each other, you know. Yeah, you had your bow user and your mage. Um, 
they had like ability points where every turn you got one ability point and certain moves that you could do cost two. So like the mage's fire ability cost two ability points so they can only do it every other turn um, and that kind of thing. So I really liked all that kind of stuff about it. Um, it didn't run super smoothly and I hope that Oof. that's just a demo thing. Uh, just things like when you highlight a character with your cursor, it kind of brings up this visual grid of where they can move and what they can attack. But every time it does it, it hitches. So like, like the frame rate just dips a whole bunch. Yeah. It, like it, like it takes a couple extra frames for it to load it. You know. Oh yeah. Um, like it just it pauses for a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and so that's kind of noticeable when you're just trying to like navigate around the grid with your cursor you know and every time you pass well, over something it hitches I, I would think it's probably just an optimization issue that'll probably get worked out yeah um re really specifically when the issue occurred was when it needed to load in a visual element uh when you like moused over something you know what i mean yeah like that was real specifically the thing it has to load in this grid to show you this thing and it just takes a moment uh so yeah um, you know, it seemed cool though. It's, it was harder than I expected, so I like that a lot. It seems like when your people die, they just die right there. Uh, yeah. you know, which that's more the Fire Emblem style uh, to do it that way. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it, it was uh, that part of it was all right. Cool. Anything else you uh, wanted to, to talk about today? Uh, you know, I, yeah, we got uh, that's uh, I think that's about it for me. Pretty good summation of just like our interests, I guess. If uh, if we have masochistic souls out there willing enough to listen to my voice for that long. <laughs> oh, as far as yeah, as far as introductions go, I don't want to. I, I feel like I sound like a real negative Nancy after all that. Bravely. Oh, default don't worry. And, don't oh. worry. We'll we'll compete for that title. <laughs> we can we can have a we can have a negative Nancy belt. <laughs> Let me just say, Final Fantasy Tactics. What a video game, dude. Ten out of ten. I agree but i had a bad time when i played it because that's one of those games where if you're bad at it it's a long painful slow drudging death it, it's a tough game <laughs> it's like it's like you're uh you're you're like a mouse in, in a fucking coiled up snake just trying to get it. every time you think you're gonna do something it's like you just slide back further in you just start <laughs> choking and it, things just get worse and every time there's hope it just makes it worse <laughs> That's that. That's me in Final Fantasy Tactics. So I'm not really. I'm not a huge tactical person. I guess you could say. Yeah, I haven't played a lot of the. Uh, I haven't played a ton of tactics games. I just. I, I really liked that one. And then recently, I've been getting into the first Fire Emblem game, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess this. Uh, this episode's been pretty good. Uh, dive into our interests. Um, and I guess in future episodes, we'll eventually come up with a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe have a more focused topic to talk about. Because yeah. the thing is, we, we bounced around a, a hundred different subjects, and every one of them I could have gone longer on, personally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Me too. I, I didn't think I could, but I think the fact that we're at literally the two-hour mark on my recording right now yeah. uh, tells me we can. So, and, and on that note, because I was actually, I was talking about how I wanted to talk about Outer Wilds today, and then I was going to, you know, ask if you wanted to talk about a game that you were playing to do like a review kind of thing, but... Yeah, I mean, it's been two hours, so maybe we should save that for next time. Yeah, I mean, I could probably do a three, four-hour podcast, but I don't know that anyone else can. <laughs> 
But if uh, if you want to end it there, that's that's cool with me. Yeah. What do you uh do you want to plug anything of yours? I guess I've never plugged anything on a podcast before. It's my first podcast. I don't think so. Uh check out the Twitch people that we mentioned, Dying Camel and Cortland yeah. 12, and there might have been a couple others in there. Yeah, Dying Camel, Cortland 12, um Mechanical Koopa and honestly just hang around. If 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 you're a fan of the podcast so far, and if you hang around, you'll probably see them in the chat here from time to time. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose that's something for the later listeners that we should mention also is that we're uh, we're we are live. We're doing it live. So if you're ever interested in seeing it live, uh, you know, or just seeing the other things that we do throughout the week, come check us out. Absolutely. I got my Twitch channel that I'm mostly active on now. I uh, Dash and I are both on Twitter. Um, YouTube. Do you do you do anything on YouTube? No, I I I think the best answer is just no. Well, you do now because <laughs> this is going to be on YouTube. In fact, for the people who are uh, listening later, thank you so much for finding us on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will probably be on more platforms as we figure out how to run a fucking podcast for one. <laughs> but I think this is pretty damn good for a first episode, at least sound quality. I haven't edited it yet, or if you want to edit it, we haven't even figured out any of those details yet. Yeah. But uh, for now, I guess I'll, I'm I'm signing off. I don't have anything else if you uh, want to say anything. Yeah, sounds good. I hope I wasn't too negative and didn't talk too much. I'm worried. <laughs> I think being negative and talking too much is what podcasts are, are, are all about. Maybe. Because I, I can just imagine, though, listening to listening to me talk for an hour and just being like, ah, what a fucking dickhead. But- oh, dude, I'm used to it by now. On my, on my YouTube channel, like, I make one video specifically designed to get views, uh, you know, like a list video, like uh, five things I hate about my blank. And, like, there's a, <laughs> there's, like, a comment every fucking morning on that video why does this guy fucking whine so much? It's like it's a video made to whine. Mm-hmm. It's the point. That's not how I actually like, you know, go about my day to day. Like I don't just go around like this thing sucks and here's why <laughs> five yeah. times more human beings don't operate that way but that's what gets them to click on the videos so yeah like I, I, i'm used to that kind of criticism i'm very much the type of person where like if you're if people are having a conversation about something that i think is stupid i'm not gonna jump in and talk about how dumb it is right i i'm, yeah, I'm yeah. i mind my own business and and try to keep negativity to a minimum like day by day right but if you're gonna give me a platform and say like and say dash what do you think of sonic the hedgehog you know i'll let you know <laughs> we can get real visual with it <laughs> but i'm uh yeah i'm i'm happy with the way this is uh turning out so far yeah sounds good and so the this is a tuesday thing i guess is also important to say yeah, so we are doing this right now on a Tuesday. Uh, I think Tuesday is probably going to be the di- the best day to work out for us for right now. Uh, Tuesday evenings. When did you... I guess we'll have a start set time, which is what, 8 p.m. Mountain Time or uh, Central some, or at Eastern? Yeah, something like that. And, and Tuesday is the live time as far as when we actually post it. Uh, I'm yeah. not, we're not sure. Exactly. Uh, we'll figure that out Yeah, later. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, dude. Glad to keep doing this with you. Oh, yes. Thanks to you as well. And thanks for listening. To everyone. Peace.